0: This episode of 12-Pack Radio is made possible by Nextiva, the official communications partner of the Pac-12, the best business phone services chosen by U.S. News and World Report. Nextiva helps companies and countries, probably countries who all over Pac-12 country, stay connected using one easy-to-use app. Make great calls every day. Visit Nextiva.com slash 12-Pack to get started. Nextiva.com slash 12-Pack to get started. Oh, South Texas!
1: Yes, it is for 12 Pack Radio. Get excited, y'all.
0: Welcome back everyone to 12 Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, the home of the Badarang College Football Statistical Model, and we are a sharp college football podcast. Thank you for joining us. It is nice to be back. We took a, a and we're gonna do this every year. This is just a, a real nice break. We took a break for the Pac-12 uh, tournament. The, the NCAA tournament. I went to Vegas, watched Arizona win uh, the tournament there and uh, just some really f- good Pac-12 basketball actually like in that tournament, even in some of the, the the down races and we're back. We want to take a break, give everybody a chance to watch the tournament. Thanks to everybody who has joined our bracket. We will get the news out on the winner there shortly as we're in the final four, but we're watching all of that. Just disgusting 18 timeout games, slow ball handling turnovers, you know the the same commercial with the crab walk seventeen times. We're watching that all out of our systems. We're talking real endless replays. Uh, endless. Oh my. Endless video replay. What? And, and like it, it's getting so bad, Rob. Where, where it's within two minutes, and all the players are twirling their finger, like they they all know that the refs are gonna. It's like there there's one call where the player swipes the ball out of the player's hand, and yes, if you run the film like the Zabruder film, the ball at one point. Rolls off of the tip of the player's finger. But come on, the guy swiped the ball out of his hand. It's off, the, off of the guy that swiped the ball out of, the, out of his hand. Like, this isn't right. difficult. Holy oh, Moses. Yeah. It's, how, how are you, sir?
1: I'm great. I, uh, I, uh, I've been doing this. I, I took a little break, slowed down a little bit on the preview videos. I got to pick back up again, um, to reach my goals, I guess you could say, but we're rolling through. We're about to, I'm about to do Auburn um, and preview them. Um, but yeah, it's been, uh, it was, it's been, a, it's been nice not to have to think too much about it and be able to enjoy a little college basketball and watch a little, watch a little U S soccer last night.
0: I hear you. I I hear you. It's, it's nice to be back. It's good to have a, uh, a just a, a good handle and really dive back into college football. What we're going to do as as we ease back in from our break is we're going to do a little bit of news. We're going to go through – we went, we started going through all of the Pac-12 uh, – or all of the, just the national college football beta rank numbers. And now we're kind of getting into the mushy middle where every team is basically the same. I mean, they're all made up different and they have different strengths. But, you know, on the court or on the field – you know, each team is going to be really close to, to each other. So, what we figured we would do is go through Pac-12 uh, teams and look at the the beta rank projections for each team there, and I think that'll be a good dis- discussion because I think there's some interesting teams that we haven't covered yet. Uh, Rob, let, let let's start on the news front. Where you know, where would you like to begin?
1: I mean, I think the the big one to call out is uh, the, the passing of Dave Nickel. Um, you know, the inside receivers coach at USC. Um, you know, long pack 12 background, um, had coached at Arizona. He coached at Washington state, you know, you know, in, you know, Arizona back in the day with Mike Stoops ran the air raid. Um, they called it the bear raid, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, the, uh, you know, or maybe that was Sunny Dykes. I, I think with Arizona, they tried to call it something around the bear down, but anyway, so he, you know, long time, he, he passed away from cancer at 45, a Real tragedy. Um, that you know, I, I think he was, uh, USC fans were excited to have him on staff. Um, really experienced guy coached with Lincoln Riley before, um, you know, so it's a real bummer his passing, uh, at that young age.
0: Yeah. I mean, 45, holy goodness. Um, I mean, there's not much you can say other than, like, you know, we wish his family well, and I'm glad that we were able to, you know, like, talk about it. But uh, it, it is kind of exciting to when you look back and you see all of the players that coaches, you know, and unfortunately it's so early. But you get to take a look at the, the players that were coached by coaches and the impact that they can have. Um, like, I still remember my like the best coaches I ever had. And that was like, you know, peewee baseball. You know, so um, yeah. it's, I think sometimes we look over the, you know, we're, we can be so critical of coaches and all oh, this, this unit isn't performing and all that stuff. And sometimes they aren't, but um, man, if you have a really good coach and, uh, and, and a coach that really cares, you can really tell the difference. And um, it's, it's just, it sucks um, that we lost him so early, but um, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of players that he was able to develop over time that, that remember what he was able to teach them. So um yeah i'm glad i'm glad you brought that up um you know and and what you know do you know where usc is going from here
1: no they haven't uh announced uh you know anything yet they've started practices but um you know i riley's got a good set of contacts out there so i would i would expect that he's able to to fill that when they when they decide to move on yeah one one
0: note by the way on on usc's practices here um can we avoid, like, the Trumpian best practice ever? It was a perfect practice. There was no mistakes. Like,
1: they're, they're, USC holds its, Well, it. Here's, here's my question. Do you think Colin Coward was trolling people with that? I mean, he, like, I think Colin Coward is a perfectly ridiculous person. So, I, I just, like, <laughs> yeah. no, no, I mean, like, I just want to say, like, if you have to, like, if, if we had to do, and we were pitched once, remember, we were pitched once on doing, like, a daily podcast. Like, we were pitched on becoming a national pod college football podcast but we'd have to do it every day <laughs> yeah, yeah. like i just lo- it's sort of like having like a weekly column like you're you're not gonna have 50 great 52 great ideas you know all year like if you have to come up with stuff every day like you're gonna have some boring bad takes you know and so you got to like really ramp it up to 11 on the take meter i got you um, I, yeah but i wonder like with coward like i'm just like is that just him? Like, because he does say insane things all the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's that's a good. I think it was a combination of that and then seeing, like, the videos of the Southern California skyline, like, without the smog, for yeah. some reason, I don't know how they, they filter that out, um, <laughs> in the traffic and so it's like, you know, it's this, this new
1: Snapchat filter, like
0: <laughs> oh, there is, I forget which, I think it was USC, but they were showing um, like, the, the beautiful scenery of, of, USC and then there's this, like, beautiful lake in the middle of Los Angeles, I'm like, where the F is that? I've never seen that freaking lake before <laughs> so <that's laughs> like, they're just trying to find the, the little nooks and crannies of los angeles that aren't close to the campus like come on over now USC. i love it all i appreciate it you know i think you're probably right if it's ca- you know if, if uh, you know cowards hurting for material in the doldrums of uh early march then that that makes sense to me but um i just well, thought they that still was gotta slow
1: it down like i mean because coward i think is like ready to amp it up to 11 having riley on there but like the defense was God awful last year. Like they really got their work cut out for him. And I think it's valid after his time at Oklahoma to have questions about Alex Grinch. Oh yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with you. I think they're going to really need to prove what they have. And
0: uh, I'm I'm excited to watch what they're able to produce in the first year, but I don't, I just, I don't think they're going to win the PAC 12 uh, in year one. And they certainly have some competition on that front. Um all right, who what else do we have here? Uh
1: the other one was uh Utah landed a big safety transfer. Um, one of the best available left on the market. Um, you know, like they they pick up a, a transfer from I'm uh, oh, it's uh Is Isbell? Yeah. Um so they land Clayton Isbell like pretty like they like Utah fans should be pretty excited. He was one of the best available left in the transfer portal. Um, he was an FCS freshman, all American in 2019. Um, you know, like he, uh, you know, and, and he had some, he had some decent other offers from, you know, Virginia tech and SMU and some other places. So, uh, I'm not sure he's you know necessarily saying like, you're going to come in and you're going to get a guy who's a, you know, you know, a, 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 for sure starter, but excellent depth for sure for Utah. Um, and he's a big enough guy. He can come down and, and, you know, really compete in the run game too. Let's be honest. Yeah, he's going to be a linebacker, right? I mean, isn't that what they do? <laughs> <laughs> by the time, by the time he's a regular starter—not this year, but next year—he will be moved up to linebacker, and then he will go in the on day two of the NFL draft.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that's what they do in Utah. No, that's pretty funny. Uh, no, that's great, and, and and that's what you want, right? You want you want to use this transfer portal in a way where you're bringing in new ta- new talent. You're trying to refill. I love the fact that Utah is willing to do that. Um, you know there are there is still some hesitation I think from a couple teams uh, to use the transfer portal in a way that would help and, and I think Stanford is kind of hampered by uh, frankly the, the transfer portal in terms of getting uh, you know that the players are really happy to leave but it's harder to get players in which is a total disadvantage for them but I, I love that I also thought you know there was an, another team that consistently does well at the transfer portal and that is Oregon State they were able to bring in a four star uh, running back from. From Georgia Tech, of all places, and I mean that's that's like a heck of a drive from from Atlanta over to Corvallis. uh, Jamius Griffin, four star guy, and I think that's great, right? Like BJ Baylor goes on; he's going to be playing in the NFL, and really had a great year. I, I was was hesitant to be bullish on the running game for. Oregon State. i know they have the offensive line but i thought baylor really performed well uh you know trying to fill in for another nfl running back they had the previous year so it'll be interesting to see if uh, if griffin's able to fill in uh some spots they obviously had the south carolina transfer some other running backs there but i think this is great
1: yeah that's a good pickup for them i mean two. i mean they're they're still in the running for jt daniels that's awesome like, i mean light a light a light of prayer candle you know, <laughs> like, I I will. I'm like I I I mean I think J C Daniels with the Beavers would just be amazing. Like you could I could. I like sign me up. Whatever the Oregon State, whatever the Oregon State games are on, I'll be watching them. I
0: forget what other teams are are in the running for him.
1: No, no. Now you're putting me on the spot. Uh, Missouri. Oh, that's right. Um. And West Virginia. So it's uh, Oregon State. Missouri and West Virginia. Do not go JT Daniels. You are not probably a listener to our podcast from your time at USC. Don't go to West Virginia. Do not go play for Graham Harrell. Don't do that to yourself.
0: Oh, is that who's over there now?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Graham Harrell's the new OC at West
0: Virginia. So gross.
1: No, don't do that. Um, drink a I would also say don't go to Missouri because I don't think Missouri is going to be that good this year.
0: I'd be I'd be so excited if he went to Oregon State and we've been talking about like for the love of God, could they can they get a transfer like I mean, you have an offensive line, you have a really solid, if not great offensive coach, just a really cool landing spot if they're able to get him plus you have a running back now in in addition to depth at the running back position that is really exciting. Obviously, they have to get the defense right but who
1: great line. Yeah, great line, great line coach.
0: Yeah, and and if if you're Daniels, who cares if your defense sucks? That means you're going to get more reps on the field, right? To be able to check check those numbers, boost them up, man. Let's
1: go. You got to win shootouts, right? Like I just I don't I don't think for him it's a uh it's a as good of a fit. like Missouri's offense like now Missouri did um manage to sign the top wide receiver recruit in the country, I believe, in this last recruiting cycle. Um, so there's definitely, I'm sure some appeal there, but that that app State offense that they run there doesn't feature the quarterback as much as you'd like. Um, and I just, uh, like, I just feel like Daniels could crush it at Oregon state. And to your point, like he's going to have to win all the shootouts. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like... Well, there's been some, and everybody's going to be watching, like you'll just get tons. Like, I mean, it'll be, he'll be like the only fun game on late and everybody will be watching.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, everybody that has Pac-12 network,
1: but, but it, it, there will
0: be eyes on him. Right? <laughs> but I I think one of the things that was interesting to me was there were some, you know, national writers that are, were saying, well, does he still have it? Is you know, what is he like? He, he's a guy quarterback that's been injured and you know, they're and a quarterback yep. at a, at a school where, yeah, you know, was he outplayed by Stetson Bennett? I don't know, but Stetson Bennett wasn't screwing things up. And that defense was solid. And that's what Kirby smart wants to do. So like, you know, let, let him free, let him, you know, let Reagan be Reagan as, as it is, you know, like let's, let's get Daniels in a good spot. So that, that's a good call. We'll definitely keep an eye on that. I know that there was a, a little bit of news out of the recruiting front, Rob, and we don't really cover it too much, but anything you
1: wanted to highlight? Well, I mean, it's big news because it's, um, it's basically like the last top on. Uns- I mean, I believe there might be, this is how much I follow recruiting. He might be the last unsigned major blue chip prospect out there. He might not. Uh, but Josh Connerly, um, out of Washington, uh, is, you know, the, the, one of the last big prospects out there. Um, he's, he's, you know, visited some, you know, know, there's a, there's a couple programs. I mean, they would, just about anybody would have a spot for him in this year's class. Um, but he just visited USC. Uh, and it's, it feels like that USC has a lot of momentum, you know, towards potentially signing him, which would be a huge get. I mean, the class that Lincoln Riley signed was, was small, as far as the total number of you know players signed, um, because they were really active in the transfer portal, um, but the quality is, is really good within that class, and I think Connerly would really add to that.
0: Yeah, that'd be awesome to see uh, wh- whether or not he ends up going there. It'd be more awesome if he stays at Washington, if you're a Huskies fan, right? Like, let's try to keep yeah,
1: Washington's not in the running. Oh, that
0: that sucks. That sucks so much.
1: I uh, want well, Washington. It's really bad because like they they also lost. I mean, I'm trying to remember the guy's name now. He went to Ohio State. They lost the like the, the the two top recruits that Washington's produced in the last two seasons are not not considering the the Huskies not going to sign with them.
0: Oh, that's frustrating. I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll, like I right the the whole thing with Washington was to give them time, but our bigger concern was, you know, what was was uh DeBoer bringing some ace recruiters on because. If you want to compete at the highest level, you're going to need them. So, yeah, that, that's something to bookmark there. I mean, I, gosh, that, that just sucks. Um, well, it is what it is. I'm just trying to sort through a couple other things here, Rob, you know, as, as we were out. There, like, you yeah, know, there's been other transfers. I think the one of note that that's interesting to me was um, Dimitri Stanley joins the Exodus <laughs> You know, out of out of Egypt, you know, as, a, as all these wide receivers end up leaving uh, the 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 Buffalo program, and he's headed to Iowa State, and then uh, Jalen Davies, a four star cornerback from Oregon, goes over to UCLA. So I thought that
1: was interesting. Um, oh, that's an interesting one. So they certainly need some help for their you know geriatric defensive coordinator hasn't called plays in a while. <laughs> did i say that out loud is that true <laughs> yeah that is <laughs> okay,
0: well let, let, let's get more players there and see what happens at ucla It'd be interesting <laughs> to see if they have some semblance of a defense again um it was a fun year last year anything else here in terms of pac-12 moves
1: no i don't think so. i mean it's it's you know it's camp time right like a lot of camps are starting up um uh, Um, you are starting to see some transfers out in the spring. Uh, I think Arizona had another one, a 2020 signee who never saw the playing field. And it was pretty evident that it was not going to ever see the playing field, um, you know, and transferred out. Um, so yeah, there's, there's definitely, uh, you know, I would keep an eye on within, you know, with, with the moves that we should be seeing more often than not in uh, right now are probably guys on PAC 12 teams that are choosing to, to transfer out. Um, And then that might free up roster spots to be added to come summer.
0: Yeah. And, and we are definitely going to be covering spring ball. So stay tuned. That's going to be coming up in the next couple of weeks. I love spring ball. I think it's interesting. It's the first peek into teams. Um, you know, you have Connor Brewer or whatever, uh, go with, with the, the Utah quarterback going for uh, Charlie Brewer going for 15 for 15. There's just a lot of fun stuff that we can poke around. But I do think that one of the, <laughs> one of the things I always find interesting, though, it's, it's the early enrollees and whether or not they're able to pop at spring. I think that matters so you know like you know you got to take and it matters with the beat writers who's covering what but if you can find the writers that really know the team's program sometimes you can get a good look under the hood in spring ball so we'll we'll definitely be keeping some eyes on that all right let's wrap that up let's get into our let's get into the beta rank uh projections for all the pac 12 teams from the top to the bottom and let's do it right after this i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg We're going to work through the 2020 projections of the beta rank projection model for all the PAC 12 teams. I know we covered a couple of these teams, Rob, uh, at the beginning. So maybe if we go bottom up and just kind of work through these teams and, and what the model projects them. And again, like all, all of the, the hand yep. waving and everything, right? This is a, pr- a projection model. It's preseason. It's taking data from last year. It's still a weird year. Um, you know, and, and the idea is just, this is a foundation to start the conversation, And with that in mind, it is it is kind of nice to have some, you know, uh, some sort of context to look at as we're moving into uh, college football season, which is a number of months away. So, you know, uh, keep that in mind as we work through. Rob, who's who's at the bottom?
1: Yeah, I mean, mean, just a quick like what I would say is what the think of the things that the projection model does not see to take into account. It doesn't see coaching changes be that head coach, entire staff, coordinators, doesn't see it, blind to it. (laughs) Um, The other one is I don't think, I still don't think yet it, now I use Bill Connolly's returning production numbers. He does make an attempt to include transfers in those, but it's in an exact science still on that. So, um, but that said, like, you know, so right now what's interesting is uh, who's not at the bottom. It's not Arizona. It's actually Colorado is projected at number 94 upset special. Right. I mean, like that's bad. I mean, 94 is really, really bad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, and I mean, to what really, you know, I mean, and, and Colorado is a team that really, you know, struggled last season, um, you know, like, and other, like, really outside of, a, you know, a couple of games where they, you know, were able to put it together and beat Washington. I mean, they finished at 87 overall last year. So we're not projecting them far off of where they were. They do have a new offensive coordinator coming in. They finished at 107 on offense last season under Chiaverini. Um we had, we talked about, I mean, we didn't think he was the right guy for the job um as a play caller. Um in comes Mike Sanford Jr., a man who has a record. See, he was he he was bad at Utah State. <laughs> um went to Minnesota, got fired, and now he's a Colorado. Um, as the offensive coordinator, um, the defense was at 68. They had some flashes last season, right? Like you feel like they had some decent play from time to time, but the recruiting, I mean, the recruiting, I mean, this is the one that's really more than anything in, you know, killing Colorado. The only team in the PAC 12 that recruits worse than Colorado is actually Oregon state. Their two-year rolling recruiting puts them at 66 overall in the country. There are only 65 Power Five teams in college football, accounting <laughs> Notre Dame. So yeah, Colorado. Uh, they're at 64. Um, the the I mean the the major problem, the major component that is just crushing Colorado behind maybe hiring bad offensive coaches. Um, their recruiting just isn't there. They they absolutely have to be able to step up and, and recruit better. State is the worst recruiter in the back 12. They're at 73. My, my apologies, Oregon State, but like, <laughs> for Colorado, I mean, you've been to that campus for them to continue to recruit this poorly is, it's kind of shocking. Oh, it's unacceptable. And, and like, I
0: was one of the last people in the stands for, for Colorado, you know, just really trying to cheer for that defense because they had some interesting pieces on it and the defense wasn't bad, but, but it wasn't good. And it's really hard to field pretty decent players if they're not playing cohesively. And if your offense is going three and out over and over and over again, I mean, it just kind of snowballs on itself. And I think a lot of particularly listeners of this podcast where they've had bad teams before and they like, you know, their team has been bad. It is just agonizingly frustrating to see that happen. So I, I, I know that that defense was interesting, but like now that defense is losing pieces that we liked and it was still a bad yeah. defense. <laughs> like this is this could be a disaster. And
1: 119 in returning production on the defensive side of the ball.
0: Colorado, you better pray for another international pandemic, right? Like that's the only time I think okay. <laughs> that your coach is going to be good. Oh my gosh.
1: What a disaster. Well, I mean it's tough it's tough not to it, <clears throat> it's tough not to feel like it is like they're like, they're in sort of quicksand right now, right? Like there's just no good moves available, you know, like, and we talk about all the players that transferred out, you know, and then then on top of it, right? Like you're talking about the players that transferred out. Like we had this conversation, you know, their beat writer said like, Oh yeah. Like they've lost all these good players, but they still actually don't have the roster room to add anyone
0: you're like oh no <laughs>
1: right i mean and that's a sign that like the you know the old you know the new coaching staff has real. i mean it like i'm not encouraging people to run off players or something like that but it is a little bit of a um unpleasant part of the college football business uh and i just i don't think i certainly don't think when you look at this colorado team you know that's one thing that like when we t- when i was i thought they were a little early on like, and I still think like Michigan state might be a little early on that huge Mel Tucker, Mel Tucker contract. Cause they were pretty lucky this year, but like Tucker gave him some juice in recruiting, you know, like, yeah. that's one thing where you could definitely point to and be like, yeah, actually like they, they're recruiting pretty well. They signed a couple four stars things. And some of those guys aren't even on the roster anymore. Um, and that's what, I mean, it's just, it's tough to feel like, look, I mean, Sand, like chiverini was so bad that even though I'm, you know, not high on the Sanford hire, he should be an improvement. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, But it is tough. Like it's, it's tough to see a lot of momentum for this team. And like, like we talked about with the returning production numbers, like the defense carried them and it's, it's really hard to see them putting it together.
0: So just to put things in context on a neutral field, what would, yeah. so we already know Utah is number one. So spoiler alert, if you, but like, you know, I think a lot of people have been listening to the show, you know, Colorado against Utah. What would that spread be?
1: One second. Let me put it into the sports-o-matic machine. Um, <laughs> so Utah would have a 99% win probability oh and be favored by 26 and two thirds. So God. almost 27 points. Oh on my a neutral gosh. field.
0: Poor Colorado. Just make the move now, man. Didn't they, didn't they get like sponsored by a sports book? Like, can't you use that money to to pay for the buyout? Like, good Lord.
1: (laughs) They're in a tough spot. I mean, like, cause I mean, we talked about this, right? Like it felt like Michigan state backed up the big 10 Brinks truck and basically said like, Hey, we have a problem that we just like marked Antonio up and retired rather than face like continuing allegations around his program. Yeah. so they just, they dumped their problem on Colorado and hired Mel Tucker. Um, and Colorado, uh, I mean, they didn't have a Brinks truck to dump the problem on anybody else. I mean, they, you know, and, and not only that, I mean, like Carl Durrell was, was even within that coaching search was a left field hire. Right.
0: Oh yeah. It's, I mean, if you take a look at their, like whoever their athletic director is it's kind of a disaster, right? Like, they suck at yeah. base. I've, I've, do they even play baseball? I have no idea.
1: No, no, it's the Pac-11.
0: Oh, okay. All right. I was like, like I've never seen a college. <laughs> never mind. Sorry. Uh, but like, you know, Tad Boyle has been there for how many years? And like them getting bounced in the first round of the NIT is the most Colorado basketball thing I've ever seen. I was like, It's just like, you yeah. know, it's a team that shows up every, like, yes. Okay. You're going to make the tournament every three years and you're going to lose in the first round. And every other time you're going to win, like, 20 games and and get bounced like out of the NIT and and there's just and that's it and and that's what you have and and Carl Durrell by the way is your football coach like if I can't think of a more like anemic just too like just too underwhelming like and I get it like Tad Boyle is is a good X's and O's coach but like at some point I mean like and they can't be paying him that much right I mean that's more my frustration I mean unless they're paying Tad Boyle like five million dollars a year. Go get yourself a freaking football coach.
1: So, I mean, I just, I don't understand where, like, where does Colorado's money go? I mean, like, look, like you got a downhill ski team. Not a lot of Pac-12 teams have that. You got a really good downhill ski team. I mean, (laughs) and a cross country ski team, you know, you got some national championships there, but like, where's the athletic department budget going where you don't have the money to go out and invest in football, you know? and I don't know. I mean, look, I mean like we've seen this a couple of times, right? Like we saw this when Arizona like fired rich rod late in that cycle, you know, like you don't have your pick of the litter late. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Colorado was extremely late. Um, but it, it it does feel like we're sort of like, I, I guess I feel like with Colorado, like I'm about to preview Auburn and do their preview video. Um, And there's like nothing, there's not almost nothing positive to say because after all of the off season turmoil at Auburn, like it just feels like a foregone conclusion. Harson's going to get fired, right? Like you went through all of this off season drama of like some people wanting to fire him, but that's basically created a situation where Derek Mason took less money to go to Oklahoma State and now you're going to fire Harson anyway in a year, right? Um, And so you're going to waste a whole year of football letting Brian Harson coach because they came at him and they just couldn't quite pull it off. But like with Colorado, it just, it feels like that with the current coaching staff, you know, it just doesn't feel like, um, did they lose coach meat too? Like, didn't he go to Oregon? He was, a, he was one. So like, um, when Kevin Sumlin was like on the road, ropes. Basically one of the good recruiters that had been on his staff was Demetri smart and coach Meat. Um, and he bounced to Colorado cause it was the writing was pretty much on the wall with the way things were going with Sumlin. Um, he's now landed a job, you know, cause he was a, he was a really good recruiter on those UCLA squads under Mora. Um, and he's now at Oregon. I mean, there's just not a lot of juice for this Colorado team out on the recruiting trail. Um, I don't know. Look, I mean, look, like maybe Colorado's I mean, they didn't have to pay Mel Tucker's buyout. I'm sure. I mean, like they got to be sitting on some money. I, you would think, right? Like <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, and, and say say what you want about Colorado fans. At least they didn't float rumors of infidelity about Carl yeah, Terrell I mean, to go,
1: push. You can go crazy, <laughs> right? Jeez. Like but the flip side of it is like I mean, like Auburn fans are nuts, but they really care. I mean, they're in a really deeply psychotic, (laughs) deeply unhealthy and fundamentally irrational and has to be like, has to create unfortunate situations in these people's real lives, being obsessed with Auburn football like this. Um, But at the same time, like, no one, no one around Colorado would even care enough to do something like that. Oh my gosh!
0: Yeah, and, and to be fair, if you don't know this story, so just just to make sure that nobody nobody thinks that I'm like making a up. So um, Auburn floated those rumors out to try to yeah. th- to get their coach fired. So I am in no way saying that Carl Durrell. Like, just to be very very clear, right? Like, sure, Carl Durrell is a nice nice person, um, and, and, and it's a testament to Colorado for not going bonkers to get him out. But please get him out <laughs> in, in a in a nice way. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's move from Colorado to Arizona who, you know, for, you know, it's funny for all the dumping that we just put on the Colorado program, Arizona is only four spots above them. So, you know, like just, just to be very fair, right. You know, this Arizona team will likely suck next year.
1: No, there's some bad, I mean, there like, look, I mean, I, I like, look, you know who I, you know, who I think has a real chance to be even worse than Colorado next year is Stanford. (laughs) Oh yeah. And their projection at 61 um, you know, they're sort of, they're living off some, they've got a ton coming back on this team from West. Um, But Arizona's at 90, you know, the offense last season was at 95. The defense is at 88. You got a new defensive coordinator in place um, and a really interesting Hire Johnny Nance. Never called plays before. Uh pretty much known as a decent, not great recruiter who'd been on some USC and Washington staffs. I mean, a, d- a pretty good recruiter. I don't want to just undersell him there. But you know, never called plays before. Awful at special teams last year again, 114. They're at 50. Now this is a, I use a two year rolling recruiting average. So Jed fish last season signed a really bad recruiting class. This season signed a really good recruiting class with some difference makers in there, you know, and in Arizona did pretty well in the transfer portal and getting Jane Delora. They've got a good amount coming back on offense, 36 overall on returning production on the offensive side of the ball. Um, It's funny though, because like like for Arizona, like you feel like the bar couldn't get any lower. I mean, they won one game last year that was basically shit like Cal should have like forfeited that game (laughs) basically (laughs) because of the COVID numbers and that like, but at the same time, like when you look at like the momentum around the program, it feels really, I mean, and I'm not just saying this isn't a lot, it just feels very different. And I, I don't think I'm the only person that like, I don't think that's just Arizona alums thinking that.
0: To, to, I mean, we just talked about Colorado. It reminds me of Colorado during the COVID year, where you're like, oh, this, this so, which might be bad for Arizona, right? Because they right. Colorado came out of that, that, uh, COVID year, and I'm like, oh, okay, it seems like there's some pretty positive vibes coming out of the program. And, and that ended up being a total disaster. I do think the one thing here, if you think that Arizona is going to pop up and win a couple more games than are projected, the one thing to keep in mind and this is the difference I think between Arizona and Colorado is that Arizona brought in a lot of transfers that will likely yep. play immediately. Um, yep. and they, and they brought in a quarterback. The one thing with Colorado is if it was a JT shroud, um, is yeah. he still there? I'm assuming he is right. If he's healthy, right. He was penciled in to be the quarterback. So, I mean, like, look, I, I think we, we saw what we had uh, last year and like yeah. the, the quarterback, but, um, you know, I, I, if, if you're a Colorado fan, that could be your saving grace, the fact that you have a better quarterback and, coming up.
1: And Chiaverini not calling plays. Yeah. Right. Like, even Sanford should be better than that. But, like, I think, you know, the, like, I think actually the, the analogy for Colorado and Arizona is more the Mel Tucker, that really short time. Like, because it felt like t- even though Tucker took over an abysmal Colorado program, he really built momentum on the recruiting trail. And all of a sudden everybody was like, Oh, Colorado could be good. You know, I mean, they were still bad, but they were better than you expected. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think like Arizona, like Arizona may win three or four games next year, but you expect the quality. I mean, they were bad last year. Um, you know, the quarterback play should be better. You have, they went and got cowing the is it cowing or cowings. The, um, UTEP transfer, the inside wide receiver that a lot of a lot of programs coveted. Um, McMillan, the great wide receiver, you know, I think the highest rated, you know, player Arizona's ever signed. Um, and then a but, I mean, a, just even after Delora, like a grip of transfers. <laughs> just, a, just a whole I mean it was funny because like people were even making jokes on Pac 12 Twitter of like you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm good. Like any time a player would announce they were entering the portal, like the somebody would tweet out, like fan, fan, other fan bases would tweet out, like, oh, he's going to the desert, because like Arizona had just been on such a run of landing transfers yeah. for a little <laughs> bit. But that, like, look, I mean, I like I still, like I said, like this Arizona team should be really bad, but they should be better, a lot better than they were, and that's where like you could see them maybe passing Colorado, passing. Stanford maybe even passing Cal. Yeah. Well
0: real fast, what would the spread be, you know, again the the model doesn't see the transfers coming into Arizona. They don't see right. a possible quarterback change at Colorado, which by the way like what what are you doing in the portal? I guess nobody wants to go there maybe? Like just to oh, gosh,
1: it's so beautiful there though. Um but with that how said, but like how did Colorado not get more, I mean like have only transfers out?
0: Ugh, woof. But what, what, so
1: what Arizona it's a 98% Win probability for Utah and only a 25 point spread instead of almost 27.
0: Oh, oh, no, no. You're, you're, I'm going sicko mode. I want, I want Arizona, Colorado. What's that spread? Oh, you want Arizona, Colorado? <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. Let's, let's do this.
0: this. This, if by the way, that game will be at like 11 30 at night on Pac 12 network. Like, there's no way that that team, that game's so going to be is a
1: one point favorite with a 52% win probability. Okay, okay. There we go. There we go. So a real tight game. I mean, like, you know, I mean, I mean, look, like, I mean, you watched last year. I mean, like, you know, neither of these teams was any good.
0: No, no. And so, a couple things for Arizona just to, like, you know, because we, we just dumped all over Colorado and then Arizona's a one point favorite over. Um, so
1: Johnny the, Nansen, like, is yeah. scary as hell as defensive coordinator.
0: Yeah. This, te- this team could give up 40 points a game. And if Delora doesn't fit into the system, when you take a look at the backup mm-hmm. quarterbacks like Plumber, or if Delora gets hurt, uh, like, I think, like, I like Delora. I think like is is he is he going to take Arizona to the promised land no but is he going to win a couple games if he's healthy probably um unless the defense gives up 50 points a game <laughs> then we have problems but and Ganell's uh, was uh gone and then you have uh, Cruz who is terrible um Plummer isn't a division 1 quarterback he plays his, his his ass off but like he's not great and so i mean like there's there's a world where Arizona wins like two games again um, because there's an you
1: know what, injury. F- Fafita has been getting the majority of second team snaps. Oh well, that, yeah. I mean, I'm excited. Roll him out there, but I, th- I think he's listed at five eight. I think he's five six. <laughs> Let's go do it. I've never. I don't know if I've ever like logged into like a roster, looked at a roster, and felt like, holy crap, they they actually listed them le- like a quarterback less than five eleven.
0: That's really funny. You know, it like everybody and I totally disagreed with this take where people are talking about Arizona doing the triple option because why not? Like, a no, don't don't ever say that. Uh, B. If, if you're gonna lean into something, let's lean into tiny, awesome quarterbacks. Like that sounds way more fun. He's <laughs> throwing. I,
1: mean, I would. Ra- I would rather. I would rather run the air raid with like a miniature college Drew Brees, like who's never gonna play in the pros, right? Like, like like the type of guy like that Arizona's gonna sign that every other school's gonna pass on because they're like, yeah, hey, he's not tall enough, right? Like, I don't know. But... I I just see him chucking bombs. Like, j- yeah. like just
0: assuming ah, right about there. Like because he can't see the corner of the wide receiver, he's just roundabouts getting it over there. You know.
1: <laughs> well, it's so funny because like they signed so many. Like they signed McMillan, who's like six four. They signed Burnett, who's like the six five tight end, like four star tight end. John Wright comes off of, you know, his transfer sit out, and he's like six three or six four. I just want Fafi to be in there, like, to throw a pass, so like somebody can like he can go up and like get high fives, and you can be like, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> look, look at our tiny, look at the tiny quarterback.
0: <laughs> he looks like. The- sorry, this is terrible. Like, if you're. Uh, my oh, whole my really whole family from
1: people that are like friends
0: my whole family is short um so it's like you know, it's like the the referees when you see them in an nba game you're like oh my god are <laughs> like, so yeah. oh, well okay so so you know, arizona has a chance to to jump up a little bit um they also they, it also could be a bad offense
1: right like- yeah they could be fun. Like if if Arizona is any fun next season, it's probably because the offense took a little bit of a step forward. Yeah, we could have the defense is, is years away.
0: Probably. We have major Texas tech vibes like, you know, circa 2018 yeah. where it's like they're giving up 60 and they're scoring 50. Um, but, but again, their offensive line sucks. So I'm sure Texas tech's line was better um, than Arizona's is. Okay. So we, let's do two more teams here. Cause we're, we're at about the 40 minute mark. We have uh, let's talk about the next two, but let's do it right after this. All right. We're back. We're going through the dregs of the Pac-12, moving up, moving up the ladder, doing our beta rank college football 2022 projection model. And there is a substantial break between Arizona and the next team, which is Cal. Um, Arizona clocked in at 90. Cal clocks in at 69, which is still bad. Still very bad. But um, but but there is a gap there. And we'll we'll talk about the spread difference at the end here. But what, what, what do we have in Cal?
1: Cal, I mean, look, last season, and I, I mean, I I don't want to say like I have to eat all of my words, because like Cal's defense was better than I expected, but they still were like they were a middle of the road Power Five defense. They were 27 overall in beta rank on defense. Um, <clears throat> that's kind of like I said, like a middle of the road Power Five defense. The offense was really, really bad. 88 overall. There at Cal comes in at 90 in coaching and development but worse like they're at 113 in returning production 124 they're one of like they only have 30 37% of their offensive production is coming back chase garber's who i will be shocked if he gets drafted is off the
0: NFL. It's such a weak class I, it's possible he gets like a 6th round you know last pick yeah but i hear you I, yeah i'm i'm I, I don't think he'll play in the NFL
1: yeah, I mean, but we're left with the spot of, you know, with his coaching staff, where you feel like the defense, and in particular by Pac-12 standards, where there's some pretty weak defenses running around out there. This is a decent defense, but I'm I'm not sure Wilcox ever figures out the offense. I mean, Musgrave. That's, that's the
0: yeah Musgrave was a was a risk, and we talked about okay, what do we get in here? Right, we gave him like COVID was kind of was a disaster for Cal. They. they both in terms of who could play, who couldn't uh, both lines were ravaged. So we, we try to give them a bit of a break. Um, they were like the one team that had some COVID issues in 2021, but I don't know, man, like th- there were some moments, right? That TCU bowl game, they, they move the ball a bit, um, but they lose Christopher Brown, the running back and they lose Garbers. And yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like, right. So on paper, Musgrave has, had two years to rejigger the offense, but I mean, really said one year, but sometimes when you get a new, when you, when you get a new coordinator in, I think sometimes you can really see a difference right away. And I, I didn't with Cal. It, it makes me sad.
1: Yeah. I mean, and really like the, the only name they really added that I think you like at the transfer portal off the top of my head and you don't like it that much is Jack Plummer. Yeah. Um, Will Plumber's older brother, who was the starter at Purdue, but lost his job. And I gotta tell you, if you're not paying attention to Purdue, that Purdue offense was a lot better after he lost the job. <laughs> <laughs> like, he was never, ever gonna get that job back. It was it was it was almost like a uh, um a Utah situation where it's like I might as well just transfer in the middle of the season because I'm never gonna see <laughs> playing field again. <laughs>
0: Well so so well one quick thing though cuz he had mentioned the coaching developing the coaching and development rank being at 90. I think if you're I think there are Cal fans that would be surprised by that number because Cal has brought in just a number of like unheralded players on defense and they've they've ended up being quite good. I mean the defense is going to be good again here. Do you know what what is it the offense that's dropping that but like the offense doesn't yeah. bring in that many
1: players. Here's your problem is that the the recruit, I mean, their recruiting is consistently like their, their recruiting ranking has consistently been higher than their actual advanced stats ranking. Oh, okay. Your coaching and development number is going to suffer. I mean, the trouble is like, if you look at like the, you know, the years that we have under them, right. Is like, you still have a little bit of Sonny Dykes stuff under, you know, in that coaching and development ranking. Dykes, of course, could coach offense, couldn't coach, you know, they couldn't coach any defense at Cali. You bring in Wilcox that gets totally flipped all of a sudden you can coach defense, but you can't coach any offense. Um, But even this, like where we have what we had from them last year, you know, Cal's a pretty middling team last year, right? Like the defense was decent, but not great. The special teams was kind of bad by power five standards. And the offense was was really bad. I mean, Cal finished at 58. That's a pretty bad Power Five team last season. Um, you know, I like that. It's just it's it's tough to sort of see what to. I mean, you know, even with Garbers, they were at 85 in effective pass last season. I mean, they didn't run the ball that well. 68 in effective rush. I mean, there's like like we talked about like really good like what they really excelled at last year was stopping big plays on defense. They were number seven in containing explosive drives. Mm. but that's about it
0: yeah I'm I'm worried about Cal uh, I think that yeah, the defense will be fine I think the offensive line has actually held up I know uh, we were worried about the coach that they got right that ended up being more of a recruiter right that they brought in from I think UCLA yeah.
1: Um, I think that he the, was the, Nevada but he'd be at UCLA before
0: oh there. that's right yeah and like look was it was an off an awesome offensive line no but like it wasn't it wasn't a, like, you take a look at Arizona's line, for example. Like, oh, my God, this is a disaster. You didn't quite see that as much at Cal. But over overall, I'm I'm just, man, it's going to be real hard for them to come up and, and grab. Like, I don't see a scenario. I, I put it this way. D- like, do you see a scenario where they're, like, second in the North? Or, like, third?
1: No. I mean, ah. the North is pretty wide open, right? <clears throat> but, I mean, even with... Oregon state's current quarterback situation. Wouldn't you still, I mean, look like in, in one game, you can talk yourself into, yeah, Cal can easily beat the Beavers, Sure. But I think over the season, you take the beavers to win more games. Wouldn't you? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, like you just trust, you trust that offense more, you know, than you trust Cal's defense. Um, And that's where I think you're really, when you look at, like, you know, and I still, I think Washington State's in a better position than Cal is. You know, like they just need to. I mean, I mean, if you're a Cal fan, maybe it's just staying ahead of Stanford, but it is tough. Like I don't, I don't think there's a lot to hang your hat on right now. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean I, didn't they just give Wilcox an, an extension too after that Oregon flirtation? Uh, who knows?
0: Like I could take a look at that. I think though. I think, like, I'll I'll take it back a little bit. I mentioned there's not a world where Cal um, can get to second. I would rephrase it by saying, if Cal is second in the Pac-12 North, the Pac-12 is a disaster. (laughs) That's the way I would put it. Yeah. Because, holy Moses.
1: It it, it, it is then that, like, Washington has had another disastrous season in all likelihood, right? Like, Washington doesn't get it done and neither Oregon state or Washington state takes any kind of real stuff forward.
0: Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be where it would That'd be horrible. <laughs> well, I mean, if it's let, let's I mean, that's probably a 50% chance, right, with the Pac-12? Like, it's just kind of the conference yeah, is true. what it is. <laughs> uh speaking of uh, d- right. disasters, let's talk about Stanford. Rank coming in at mm-hmm. 61. But I do think that this is a team that can really fall off the cliff. And, and I, I'm not going to say I was on the Stanford bandwagon. I thought, though, that Tanner McKee and the talent that they had on the offense would be enough to keep Stanford not necessarily competitive, but like the, the season one total for them, I think, was four or three. And they didn't hit it with a quarterback that kind of had his act together with like a blue chip offensive line with blue chip, wide receivers, blue chip running backs. And I understand, you know, like I kind of knew what I was getting into, but man, just the bar was so low for Shaw and he didn't even clear that. I mean, the defense was a total disaster and, uh, and no moves on on either side of the ball here, Rob. Uh, I I mean, and and worse talent.
1: I was crazy when I took the under on Stanford's win total.
0: Oh, you look at the schedule, you're
1: like, come on, come on. <laughs> Vegas I just I didn't buy it. I did not buy it. and look, I mean, you wanna know who finished as the worst team in beta rank of the Pac-12 last season? It was Stanford. Oh. They played god awful down the stretch. They were at 105 in beta rank. Oh my gosh. Um they finished at ninety-two on offense, one eleven on defense, eighty-five on special teams, you know. And what is kind of buoying this team in the projection model, they return a ton number three, overall in returning production, number two on offense, number 12 on defense, but they stunk all these guys that they're bringing back sucked last year. <laughs> um, and the coaching staff stinks. I mean, there's no other way around it, right? Like, I mean, the offense is in bad shape. Lance Anderson, I mean, it's hard to say this because there are some, there's, I mean, but I guess with Jerry has an arrow gone. Like Lance Anderson is pretty clearly the worst defensive coordinator in the Pac-12. And they're recruiting in their two-year rolling recruiting average. They're only at 37. Like they still recruit well at the top end, but the classes aren't as deep as they used to be.
0: Yeah. They, to their credit, they did have a good class this year. And I'm wondering if that's yeah. what saved Anderson, but like, I mean, it kind of is that, that SC folly, right. Where, Oh yeah, you have great recruiting classes now go lose, you know, like that's kind of what's been happening. Um, you're bringing in blue chip players and then they're not performing on the field and that, that who cares how many good players on paper you have. If you keep losing, I I hear you on the, on the re- returning, you know, production. I, I do think that that matters. Look, Tanner, yeah. Tanner McKee got hurt in a couple games, so there was a little bit of bad luck there. But when he returned, I mean, he didn't look good, but he didn't look like he was unhealthy. I mean, I'm sure he was banged up, but I mean, I've just, after after looking at the offense and just going, wow, I mean, like, I mean, this, te- this team's at least going to put up 30 every game, and then looking at what they actually put up, you're like, oh my gosh, this is a disaster. So, I mean... I I like the fact that the model does take into consideration the fact that players are returning, Um, but up and down, like one eleven on defense. Hey, yeah. 92 on offense. I mean, this team sucked last year. And I mean, what, what, where, in what world do they turn it around? Like what has to happen? Because we've already seen,
1: they got to throw, I mean, they got to throw the ball. I mean, like, look, like, if you're, if you're some, yeah, I mean, if you're some fan that's like dropping in from national, like, like some of the national sportscasters and writers do with Stanford, and they're like, Stanford needs to establish the run. This is intellectual brutality. And I'm like, man, where have you been? Yeah. <laughs> Stanford needs to, is going to throw, like, they need to be able to throw the ball around. Now, that's not to say that they're going to, totally go away from the run or that they're going to be like an air raid type team in their run pass split. But Stanford would, they've been clicking offensively in the past couple seasons they throw. And I just, I don't think they had quite the wide receiver talent and development that they needed. And that's, I think that's their big thing. I think McKee and the wide receivers need to be in sync this season. Like if like, and look, Stanford's still going to be a bad football team. But I like if you're talking about like, cause, I mean, I think there's a real possibility that Stanford again is the worst team in the back to the pack 12 in advanced stats. Like I, you know, if they're going to get out of the cellar, the offense is going to do it because there's no way the defense is going to do it. And also like the running game is just not coming back. I don't care how many blue chip running backs or recruits you sign. Oh my god! You can sign all, you can sign all Emmitt Smith kids. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so
0: I, if, if they had brought in a new offensive line coach, which they haven't yeah. the guy's been there, uh, Kevin nope. Carberry has been there for four years or a new defensive line coach, which they haven't, um, or if they had shaken up anything, I'd be yep. more bullish on this team. But they haven't. And I already saw this team last year and it sucked. <laughs> right. So there's nobody you're going to bring in, you know, that that's going to blow that that's going to make a big enough difference for Stanford to get out of the cell or the pack 12, uh, per, you know, in, in the North, unless, unless they just luck into a ton of turnovers or like, there's just, it's just a super fluky season. Uh, but I just don't see any scenario where they, they make a bowl. And I mean, we've kind of crapped all over this team a lot. So, but I just, you know, what? so with that
1: said, what would the, on the per- right side? Yeah, no one hears it. <laughs> no Stanford fans But <laughs> well, I mean, look, like I mean, like look, I mean, if you're a Stanford fan and you want something, like you're basically running it back, right? Like you look at the returning production, you have no changes on the coaching staff. You're running it back with the same team, right? And your argument then has to be that last year's team was so derailed by injuries that. They're just gonna be better. I had someone tell me this about the last couple Stanford games. Every offseason, I have some Stanford fan that's like, oh, it's the injuries. And I'm like, is it?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um but I look, I mean I mean, I, I think the biggest thing for them is like look, like if if you're if you want some optimism, and everyone's like we should look, I mean, there should be some optimism. like like for Colorado chief isn't there anymore. Stanford should be better. He's not who I would have hired, but he's a big improvement, right? Like the offense should be better. If shroud is healthy, he should be a better option. at quarterback Colorado could be better offensively, right? Like for Cal, maybe it's the defense again, gets back into that top 15 range. Maybe your special teams get better. And you're talking about like, maybe you get a lucky season, get to eight wins. Um, for Stanford, it's that you get McKee and the wide receivers in sync and you're able to throw the ball around and, and, you know, and you have like a decent tight end as an option there too.
0: Yeah. It, it, so with all that said, what would the spread be Arizona against Stanford just to give a little bit of hope? And we already crapped all over, um, Um. Colorado.
1: I had Colorado pulled up. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had Stanford, Colorado, the so Stanford, Arizona, Stanford would be favored by six with a 70% win probability.
0: Oh man. So they're really not that. I mean, there is a gap, um, but it's not that There's big a of a gap.
1: Mm. No, I mean like the biggest, <clears throat> I mean like the biggest gap, like if you were going to look at like, as you really get into the top teams, you know? So like take like where we have, you know, like, Utah, right. Which we said over the worst pac 12 team would be about a 26, 25 point favorite. Right. And then take where we have Alabama projected in next year, Alabama is at number one. Um, you know, like, uh, Utah projects at number five. Yeah. I mean, Alabama, Oh, it's Utah projects at number eight, Alabama projects at number one, Alabama projects is a 15 point favorite over Utah next year. Um, you know, like there's a there's bigger gaps at the very top and the very bottom as you start to get into kind of the mushy middle. Right. Like, you know, like the the gap between 60 and 90 is roughly a touchdown, you know?
0: Yeah, uh, I, I hear you. Well, we'll have to, to keep a look at that. You know, next week we'll go through the next round of teams. And but like if you're a Stanford fan, right, that's the model giving you the benefit of the doubt, like probably in your best season yeah. and Arizona's worst season, you're favored by six on a neutral field. <laughs> like that's really depressing.
1: <laughs> I just don't understand. I mean, we talk about this, like, and I feel like we're going to talk about this until we're like, like you and I are going to retire and like David Shaw is still going to be the head coach of Stanford. But it just, I mean, like we talk about it until we're blue in the face, but like coaching really matters, right? Like Stanford has good football players, you know, yeah. Um. And it's just a bummer to see, like. And they have guys like some of those guys are national, and you know they're going to be outside the Pac-12 footprint, and maybe they wouldn't come to the Pac-12 if they wouldn't have got the Stanford offer. But it's a bummer to see like like it was with USC, you know, and and to a certain extent in Washington under Jimmy Lake. It's a bummer to see really good football players go to teams that aren't going to use their talent, right? Because the Pac-12 needs them to. Oh my goodness.
0: Yeah, like absolutely, it's gonna be really, really important for that to happen.
1: USC baby, like the the conference used to be. The conference used to recruit pretty well with Pete Carroll at USC because people knew they'd be on TV, and the conference seemed exciting. So like the Lincoln, we need the Lincoln Riley effect to lift all boats.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, right on. Well, on that note. It's time to, uh, yep. to hang it up for today. We'll, we'll take a look and, and we'll continue to, to match up these teams on a neutral field to, to see where the discrepancies are in the score and uh, the projected spreads. Um, I'm Brian Conger. This is Rob Bowron, sharpcollegefootball.com, where you can see all these numbers. We will be talking about spring football next. And that's going to be really exciting, Rob, because uh, teams are are starting to actually get out on the field. We're starting to see players and pads and doing some fun stuff. So we'll make sure to keep an eye on that and bring you the latest. So tune in next week and we'll see you then.